gospel message. The reading form for this gospel message is taken from the book of John. And this is John chapter 6. And I will be reading from verse 5. So this is John chapter 6 verse 5. And leading up to this, this is when Jesus performed the miracle of the loaves and the fish before the multitude. So that's what I'm going to be reading about. So um, from verse 5 it reads, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread and these that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down in number about 5,000. Verse 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. So, again, this is a story that I would say everyone who has heard at least one Bible story or two Bible stories, this is probably one of the Bible stories that you've heard. But what stood out to me in this Bible passage upon revisiting it and the Holy Spirit opening it up to me as he so miraculously does so very often is that verse 11 and it says and he took the loaves and when he had given thanks so it's that part of thanks that I want to talk about so Jesus knowing the miracle he was going to perform or being confident of what he was going to do he gave thanks before the miracle actually happened or it actually manifested jesus already had faith in the power of god being exhibited through him that day so before the miracle was even performed he gave god thanks and two things were necessary in order for that to happen. First of all, was his established relationship with his father. There was, there, was, there was already something there. This wasn't something that was being formed. And we know Jesus being the son of God, we know it was there. But he, it's not just that Jesus knew his father was there. Jesus knew that the father will always answer the prayers of the son or, or fulfill the request of the son. So the thanks that he gave to God 
was the thanks of I know. That's what I call it. It was an I know thanks or I, I, an I trust thanks. I know, I trust, and I believe, which is the second point. So it's not just Jesus having that relationship with his father. It's trusting just this faith in who his father is, what his father's purpose for him is, and trusting it, believing it. So when he gave the thanks, there was no doubt in his mind what was going to happen. He just knew. And when that message was actually given to me, I started looking at my prayers. It sent me straight to my prayers. And I started looking at how I pray, you know, and, and the prayers were always, God, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. But Jesus didn't say, Father, please multiply this fish. Please multiply these loaves. He gave thanks for something that he already knew with a certainty that God was going to do. And that is because his prayers were, remember that relationship I was talking about? His prayers were based on the assurance that what he was asking for was in the will of God. What he was doing, the purpose for which he was praying, the purpose of the miracle was all in line with God's will for him as the savior of the world. Everything he did, remember J Jesus, his biggest gripe with the religious leaders and the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, if you will not believe what I say, believe the works that I do. Because no one, no prophet, no gifted person, no servant of God before me has done these types of miracles before. So if I am telling you I am doing them in the name of God, then it is God doing these things through me. Why won't you believe? He says, I don't come in my name. I'm not doing this to glorify myself. I am doing it to glorify the Father. So these works that I do, I do in the name of the Father. And yet, you see in these works, you still don't believe. Everything that Jesus did was in line with the mission with the work, with the calling, with the will of God for him. So there was no need to ask, Lord, do it. He already knew it was approved by his father. Many of the things we pray for are the things we want for ourselves. We have no clue whether those things are in line with God's will for us. But because we want God to co-sign our will, we insist on praying a certain way. And then we even go that step further to start declaring and decreeing the things that we're praying for. The things, oh, give me this, give me that, do this for me. None of those things are in line with God's will. None of those things are in line with, 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 with the gospel, with the propagation of the gospel. They're all, they're usually in line with our comfort. They're usually in line with a need or a want that we're asking God to satisfy. But if it is something based on our being careful for nothing, 
because the things we ask and pray for, God already knows that we have need of those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. This is the instruction. But instead, we seek ye first the things that we need. Those are the things we put into prayer. If we are truly seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, our prayers will be very, very different because they will be shaped by the will of God, not for our needs and wants, but for the calling that he has called us to do, which is that we might know him, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. That is the goal. That is the calling. That is the establishment of the faith. And it is from there we'll now begin the walk of faith with the evangelism and the spreading the word of God by lip and by life. But many of the things we ask for, we're asking for for ourselves. And we're doing it because, of course, we have these services and everything that says, pray for your request, pray for your request, pray for your request. And there's nothing wrong with saying those things in the service. Unfortunately, when you say that to carnal minds, carnal minds are only thinking of the carnal things they want. Which is the same thing that Romans chapter 8 tells us. So in Romans chapter 8, which we all know because we've heard it a thousand and one times. Romans chapter 8, it says, For they that are after the flesh, which is verse 5, For they that are, that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it, cannot, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So they that are of the flesh cannot please God. So this is what the Bible is telling us in Romans. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. So when our prayers are centered around the things first instead of seek ye first the kingdom of God because seeking first the kingdom of God is to be mindful of the things of the spirit God's will we don't know what God's will is always for us we don't know how it's going to take shape we don't know what it looks like but because worldliness has merged into spirituality in the church. And unfortunately, the lines have become so grave that they are invisible sometimes. We are practicing a worldliness that we actually think is spirituality, but it is not. And God keeps on reminding us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And that is the putting off of ourselves, the complete putting off of ourselves. And what does that mean? I am a living soul and I am yours. Order my steps in your word. Order my very life, Christ Jesus, in you, living word. And let him lay the path and we are just dedicated and committed to walk on that path. Trusting he knows what we need. We only came into the knowledge of what we needed when we came into the knowledge of what we needed. He is not a God that is bound by time and timetables and calendars and alarm clocks and to-do lists. He is a timeless God. He already knew what we would need today. He knows what we're going to need next Friday. He knows what we're going to need two months from now. Him sparing our lives to still be on this earth. 
We have no clue until that time comes. That is why he says, for today and every other day, seek me, seek me, seek me. Commit your life to me. Put away everything else. Put away everything else. All those dependencies that we have. All those security blankets that we have in the form of this, that, and the other that we call spirituality. They are of the flesh. And if we really want to know that's what we are doing, ask the Holy Spirit. Genuinely ask the Holy Spirit. He's going to reveal it. We might not like how he reveals it, but he will reveal it. If he knows that we genuinely want to know. A lot of times with our mouths we say it, but in our hearts we are not interested in the least. Because again, we have become accustomed to worldly spirituality, to carnal spirituality. And God says, that is not the way. So when Jesus thanked the Father before the performance of the miracle, it was based on an established relationship. And it was based on the faith of the God that he was serving as he was walking in his will. Jesus already told us in his word, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What is this? What did that mean in my name? It's not just, hey, in the name of Jesus, I want a car. In the name of Jesus, I want a house. Okay, Lord, I have asked it in your name. How come I don't have my car and I don't have my house? That's not what he's talking about. His name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. His name is the name by which we are saved from our sin. His name, the righteous run into it so we are saved from the condemnation of death. Because we are deciding to no longer walk after the flesh but after the spirit. Romans 8, 1. Ask anything in your full commitment to walking in the spirit in your full commitment to seeking first the kingdom of god he said when he was talking to the to the religious leaders he said, and he was telling them the kingdom of god has come to you today he was referring to himself he was referring to himself as the very salvation of god now being made manifest come to me he was telling them i am the kingdom of god come to me i am your salvation he was telling them so in my name, in me, wherein you are saved, if you ask anything in the pursuit of me, in the spiritual walk of me, anything we ask in that name will be in line with God's will for our lives. Once we surrender ourselves to God, we are no longer concerned with the things of this world. We are no longer concerned with our needs because we know God will provide and we now hold our loaves and our, our fish and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, Father, for doing this thing even before it is in our hands because we know we are asking for something that is in line with his will, with the walk with the propagation of the gospel, with seeking first the kingdom of God. Anything we ask in that, he has already assured us that he will give it to us. So what are we asking him for? We just thank him. Because as we are thinking it, we have already presented it to him. We are no longer worrying about it. We are no longer being concerned because our focus is completely elsewhere. It is on seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Knowing Believing, trusting 
that anything else we need in this life, he knows and he will give it according to his will, according to his timing, according to his riches. He multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed thousands of people. This was not a parable. This actually happened. The loaves from the basket, they were just taking it and it was multiplying. It was multiplying. It was, as they dipped their hand into the basket, there was something to give, something to give, something to give to the point that the remnants filled 12 baskets. So not only did he supply the need, it was abundant. He is able to answer all our needs above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. What does that tell us? Leave it for him. Give him thanks. Do the work. Give him thanks. Walk the walk. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Keep the faith. That is what he's asking. Hand the needs over to him. Hand it over. Hand it over. And it's plan will come away. We're not even going to think about it. Because we're going to dip our hand in that basket and we're going to grab a loaf when we need it. We're going to dip our hand in that basket and we're going to grab fish when we need it. He is God Almighty. He has said he will do it. Therefore, he will do it. Now let us do what he has asked us to do. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I ask? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let us trust in his word. Let us trust in his word. The God who created heaven and earth can multiply loaves and fish. The God who can multiply loaves and fish to feed a multitude can supply all our needs today. Let us trust in him and may his spirit enable us to trust in him. And may we continue to grow in grace. In the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.